This podcast contains material that some listeners may find objectionable. It may contain graphic descriptions of atrocities committed during the 1937 Nanking Massacre in China. Welcome back to the wartime diaries of Minnie Votrin and Sen Shui Fang, two courageous women who risked their lives to protect Chinese civilians during the Japanese occupation of Nanking. In this episode, both women see firsthand the brutality of Japanese soldiers. As food becomes scarce, the situation becomes dire for refugees at Jinling College. Looting is rampant, and parts of the city are on fire. Sunday, December 19th, from the Diary of Minnie Votrin. Again this morning, wild-eyed women and girls came streaming in at the gate. The night had been one of horror. Many kneeled and implored to be taken in, and we let them in, but we do not know where they will sleep tonight. At 8 o'clock, a Japanese came in with Mr. Teso from the embassy. Having been told we had not enough rice for the refugees, I asked him to take me over to headquarters of the safety zone. This he did, and from there a German car took me over to see Mr. Sohn, who has charge of rice distribution. He promised to get us rice by 9 o'clock. Later, I had to go back with the car to Ninghai Road. The presence of a foreigner is now the only protection for a car. Walking back to college, again and again, mothers and fathers and brothers implored me to take their daughters back to Jinling. One mother, whose daughter was a Chunghua student, said her home had been looted repeatedly the day before, and she could no longer protect her daughter. Later that morning was spent going from one end of the campus to the other, trying to get one group of soldiers after another out. Went up to South Hill three times, I think, then to the back campus, and then was frantically called to the old faculty house, where I was told two soldiers had gone upstairs. There, in room 538, I found one standing at the door and one inside already raping a poor girl. My letter from the embassy and my presence sent them running out in a hurry. In my wrath, I wished I had had the power to smite them in their dastardly work. How ashamed the women of Japan would be if they knew these tales of horror. Then I was called to the Northwest Dormitory and found two in a room eating cookies. They too went out in a hurry. Late in the afternoon, two separate groups of Japanese officers have come, and again I have had the chance to tell of the Friday night experience and this morning's doings. Tonight we have four gendarmes on our campus, and tomorrow we hope to have one. Great fires are burning in at least three sections of the city tonight. Now, Sen's perspective on the same day. 
Last night, there were military police sleeping at the front of the campus. At night, soldiers still came in and went to the crowd in the living room of number 500 building to rape. Today, during daylight, two soldiers went to number 500 building. One stood at the door of a room and another inside. He wanted all the people out, except one young girl, and raped her. Miss Vochun was at the chicken coop because soldiers demanded eggs there. If not for the sake of eggs, Miss Vochun would have gotten there sooner, so the girl would not have been molested. When Miss Vochun reached there, it was already too late. Speaking to this point, I could not help but cry. You think it over. If this is not torture, then what is torture? Vochun is deadly busy, tired, because every day Japanese soldiers come several times. Most times, not just one or two, but five or six come together, with two at one place and the two at another place. Mrs. Twinum is scared of them. Vochun is not, and is more courageous. Yet. The pitiable thing is that no one is fearless. Should one neglect one's safety? Previously, I followed the soldiers, but not now. On one hand, I am too busy to do so. On the other, I cannot bear witnessing the Japanese soldiers' bad deeds. During daytime, they dare to come and engage in such deeds. At night, even worse. Today at noon, Riggs came. He intended to ask married woman with husband to go home, so the Japanese soldiers would not come to Jingling to find women so often, because they have all run into refugee camps. No women are left outside. What Riggs meant was that it is okay for women with husband to return home, but not for the maidens. If a husband stays home alone. Japanese soldiers would accuse him of being a Chinese soldier, because he has no family. Although there's nothing wrong with this reasoning, yet as soon as I heard it, I cried. I thought that my own country is not strong, so it suffers this kind of humiliation. When can we share the shame? Today, Japanese soldiers came eight times. They ate food at South Hill four times. They broke down the doors because things were piled inside. Each teacher having something there. Few belonged to the Westerners. Things were tossed and littered on the floor. Some were taken away, and some of the things got back to Miss Vochun. She runs to so many places to deter the Japanese soldiers. Once to the chicken coop, three times to the dormitories. If Vochun is not available, Mrs. Twinum does likewise. Yesterday, soldiers asked for chickens from Miss Wu, and she was not willing to comply. Japanese soldiers asked for chickens like this, so I was afraid that they would just come to take them. I said to her, "Tomorrow, I want two geese and two chickens for the workers to eat." 
We have not eaten meat for ten days, and everybody is tired too. She did not approve. I was mad. The following morning, I sent a worker to the chicken coop, requesting Miss Wu's worker to fetch two chickens and two geese, and asking the worker to tell her. Later, when she knew what happened, she went to Voltron, telling lies about me, and she alleged that I caught her experimental chickens. The chickens I got were cocks, because if you are asking her for eggs. She always claimed that most of her birds are cocks. Besides, Voltron has already said to kill those chickens. Otherwise, I would not have fetched the chickens. Voltron advised Miss Wu to only save the ones for experiment, but not others. She is not willing to do so. The situation is bad, but Miss Wu does not care. She writes things about chickens behind the closed doors of her room. Voltron and Trinum are so busy, and there's no feed grain. I feel sorry for them too. If the chickens are taken by the Japanese soldiers, I would be very unwilling to allow it to happen. I heard that several of the University Nanking's cows were taken by the Japanese soldiers. It is difficult enough to save human lives. Why should chickens be so important? There's nothing wrong with Miss Wu's experimental efforts for science. On the one hand, it is valuable, but the remaining chickens can do the job. If Miss Voltron had not gone to save the chickens, there would not be any left. In the future, Miss Wu will be able to brag about her big achievement, saving the chickens in front of President Wu. She also wants to hand the chicken scoop one of the proclamations. Issued by the Japanese military police, it is laughable. This afternoon, the Japanese consul came to see Voltron. She took him to see the refugees sleeping on the ground, leaving no place to walk through. Naturally, his mouth said their troops are not good, but his heart must be elated. Today, a number of rooms in Number Two Hundred Building are open to refugees. No way out. Too many people. A lot of people come every day. We can no longer boil water because there are too many people to be served. Instead, Miss Voltron asked two individuals from outside to boil water and sell it to the refugees. Also, our old chief cook had nothing to do, so we asked him to sell cooked rice and fried flour twist under the makeshift shed. Between number five hundred and number seven hundred, nothing is for sale outside. Quite a few of the houses in the city south were burnt down. More burning every night. These refugees are really pitiable. Some of their homes have been burnt down. Some have husbands who have been killed or taken away by the Japanese soldiers. We don't know whether they are alive or dead. Some cried, some wailed. It is tragic beyond words. Chang Shifu's son of number two hundred was taken away by the Japanese soldiers on the sixteenth. He was in number one hundred to look after the building. Probably on his way to come here, he was taken. Wei Shifu has not returned yet. Outside, 
buildings are either vacant or burning. Japanese soldiers set fire to buildings for fun. They're afraid of cold temperature too. At first, they made fires with furniture inside to keep them warm. Whenever they want to leave, they just take off. If fire touches the building, it burns it down. Sometimes they put corpses inside and then set fire to the building. Monday, December 20th, from Votrin's Diary. The clear weather with sunshine continues seemingly, the only blessing in these days of misery and suffering. Eight to nine at the gate, trying to persuade the older women to return to homes and let Jinling be used to protect their daughters. They all agree in principle, but are loath to go home. For they say soldiers come to their homes again and again and again in the course of a day, looting everything. From 10 to 12, try to work in my office, writing an official report of acts of soldiers on our campus to present to Japanese embassy. To no avail, for I am called from one end of the campus to drive out groups of soldiers. Found two in South Hill residence again, looting Dr. Wu's chest of drawers and suitcases. During noon meal, Mary and I went to three sections of campus to drive them out. They seem to love to come at mealtime. We are trying to get a gendarme to stay on campus during the day. At three, high military officer came with several other men, and he wanted to inspect buildings and refugee work. I hoped most earnestly that while he was on campus, some soldiers would come. Sure enough, as we had finished seeing refugees crowded in central building, a servant from the Northwest dormitory came saying two soldiers were there, in process of taking off five women. We rushed over, and when they saw us, they ran. One woman ran back and kneeled before me, asking to be saved. I went back in time to stop one soldier from escaping, and played for time until the officer came. They reprimanded him and let him go. Not the severe treatment he needed in order to make this dastardly thing stop. At 4 p.m., Big Wang and I went over to our embassy, and from there we were taken over to Japanese embassy. Reported conditions again, and asked for return of two servants and for gendarme in daytime. Mr. Atchison's cook reports his old father shot, but none dared to go home to bury him. To our surprise, just after supper, 25 gendarmes were sent to us as a guard for the night. The afternoon's incident was effective, evidently. By making a map, I showed them the danger spots on the campus, especially pointing out the northwest corner. We probably have more than 6,000 refugees tonight. Covered ways full. Eastern sky vivid tonight. Looting continues in the city. Monday, December 20th, from Sen's Diary. Today, again, many refugees came. The third floor of number 200 building is fully occupied. They thought 
that this place is protected by military police. In fact, some military police dragged girls to the yard and raped them. They are not human beings, but animals, no matter where. At noon, a soldier dragged two girls out and took their things. By chance, an officer came to visit, and Voltron asked him to see what his soldier was engaging in. He was very embarrassed. In fact, it does not matter much to him, as Chinese are his enemies. Voltron does not understand this logic. She is really busy, if not chasing the soldiers, then receiving the officers. Chen Feirong was frightened to death by the last incident, so he dared not come out these two days. I have no idea where he's hiding. I'm almost tired to death. These refugees do not follow orders. You ring everywhere, and no place to set foot. And at night, we simply dare not to walk. These several days, Voltron and I went to bed extremely late, because we feared something would happen. Tonight, that officer who came to visit during the day dispatched twenty-four soldiers and one sergeant to protect the campus. What good does it do to have so many here? Besides, we have to prepare sleeping quarters for them. Fortunately, there is enough bedding. Otherwise, where can we find such bedding? In addition, we have to make fires to keep them warm, and our servant to serve them with tea and tobacco. As a matter of fact, it is better to have military police here. Two or three are adequate. Tonight, it is uncertain if they are reliable. Looking at their appearances, they are not good guys. Now it is really suffering. No news from anywhere. Yesterday, the Americans signed their names and petitioned the Japanese consul to telegram Shanghai for sending more people here to help out. When the Americans went to the Japanese consulate, the consul replied that he was too busy to send telegram today, but would do it tomorrow. It was his excuse, as I told Voltron. He would not send the telegram. As it turned out, he did not. Seemingly, the Japanese want to imprison us to death. Outside, it is burning again. Thinking about it, it is better to die under artillery bombs than to live miserably like this. Today, one baby died, and three were born. In the week, three deaths, and more than ten births, all told. In our next episode, despite their exhaustion, Votrin and Sen continue to manage and care for the refugees that pour into Jinling College by the thousands. The safety zone seems isolated from the outside world. Christmas approaches a city in ruins.